we recently did a poll on our Instagram where 96% of people said that their parents never had the birds and the bees talk with them, and only 6% said they did. Now, we only have 80 people. Only 40 people saw the post, and only, I think, 18 or 20 actually responded. So, technically, it was like 18 people who said no, and one person who said yes. That's the caveat I'm going to put into the conversation. Nevertheless, it seems to me from the experiences of which I have come across, and I assume Tom, you as well, yeah. that the majority of people in the Slavic community who are grown up now, uh, people who should know what it means to have a baby and how babies are made, that the majority of them have not had that conversation or any information in regards to that from their parents. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about tonight. And um, by no means am I an expert in any such issue. I have a kid and he's only two. So that's that's not, not something I, you know, I've run across yet. But I did grow up in the Slavic community and my parents did not talk about this. And, and before we get into that too, by no means am I blaming my parents for any, you know, anything they didn't give me. Like my parents had nine kids they moved from russia with them yeah we all grew up um and we are all alive so i have no qualms with you know the ability of my parents to raise us on top of that with um you know health issues with my mom and just all the things that my parents went through to make sure we're still alive it's it's interesting that's what i think we could talk about later as well as like what's the wisdom of having a lot like that many kids uh, versus like having less and then you can have a closer relationship. Well, on top of that, um, you know, people say, well, it might be an awkward conversation or uncomfortable conversation, but I mean, Russian parents have a lot of kids, so they should be at least equipped to tell you how to have those kids. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, very, yeah, it's, it's a topic where people shy away with because of the decision to make it taboo or awkward and um, a lot of more liberal Christians make it or, or people who seem to be very flamboyant with the issue say oh it's just an awesome topic and um, there's no awkwardness about it and you know just go ahead and be very upfront and open it's like well no like sex is a sacred thing created by God and on top of that sex is something that everyone experiences because we're sexual beings we literally have male and female sexes and that's derived from God's creation itself. And so, right, yeah. in the beginning, Adam, Adam was created male, and Eve was created from his rib female, and that's the way God created them, and he gives them the um, decree or command to go and multiply and fill the earth, right? That's literally the function of what Adam and Eve came to exist on earth for. Yep. And so let's get into it. Yeah. The first um, qualm or question that people would raise is, is it the parents' responsibility to have a conversation with their kids in regards to um, birds and the bees, I think is just, uh, what is it? A euphemism to stand in for the idea of how sexual reproduction works, how kids are made, how I would go even further and say what courtship should look like, what sexual immorality looks like what are boundaries that are drawn in regards to god's law 
and how we are supposed to function as um, beings and people who desire to have families and desire to worship God. You know, not only through going to church, not only through our work, but also through our family life. And so, is it parents' responsibilities to have conversations like this with their kids? Tom, since you don't have any children. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, obviously we know through scripture that um, like, there's a lot of instruction to, sh- to show like to walk in the in the fear of the Lord, like to instruct their children to do this, and obviously God through His Word instructs us, instructs us through all like ways of life. That's including how to raise your kids. That's including how to uh, abstain from sexual immorality. And like obviously, if you're going to train your kid to do that, you got to train them probably at a young a- at a young age. Uh, well, that's relative, you know. Yeah. So uh, I'll read a couple of passages and we can dive into it. Uh, so Deuteronomy 4:10, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so that I may that they may learn to fear the Lord me all the days that they live in the earth, and that they may teach their children to do so. And then Ephesians 4:6, not yet provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, you know. There are aspects in which the Russian, Ukrainian, Slavic community does very well in in instruction. Yeah. Right? Uh, The fear of the Lord and the sense of reverence for God, who he is. Um, The Russians are pretty decent on the Trinity. They are uh, quite well equipped in just, you know, have kids. Like, God says kids are a blessing, so have kids. Where we do fall short is the dynamic of how kids are made, you know? And so for people who say, well, you know, is there any way to outsource the discussion? I'd say like, okay, let's say, let's, let's take the premise that it's not the responsibility of parents to have this discussion with their kids. Whose responsibility is it? Right. Mm -hmm. The, the, um, truth of the matter is that if your kids don't learn this from you, there are very, you know, there are there are other options where they learn from, and none of them um, have to do with the proper view of human sexuality, right? Like the internet. Like, do you, do do you want your kids to learn about sexuality on the internet? Well, the biggest right, the biggest consumption on the internet for you know this generation is pornography. Like, good luck with that. Like, do you want your kids to learn? from their friends yeah it's i don't think there's a very small chance that they're gonna go to a christian website that explains what the bible says about those topics it's more likely they're gonna go to the popular one yeah do the do you, you mean what about their friends their peers well if they go to a public school their par- peers are learning about sex either from their parents who may or may not be Christian, or they're learning from the internet, yeah. which again is, you it's, know, it, Tim Challey's, uh, you know, guy who does blog posts, Christian blog posts. He talks about one of the first places people, uh, kids are exposed to that type of stuff. Uh, explicit images is from sleepovers, and it's when you know they're alone in their room without parent supervision, and it just you know, one of the friends just influences them to do that. Yeah. 
or from the church, right? Now, I would assume if you as a parent go to church and you expect other parents at the church to learn or to teach your kid about sexuality, um, you know, that, that could be a good thing. But again, the church is a limited resource in regards to time. You go to church on Sunday. Your um, kids might go to youth for an hour, right? The ability to have those questions is very limited. On top of that, because um, the Russian church doesn't doesn't talk about these things, right? We we discuss a big point from the Slavic Pentecostal movement in regards to the United States today, the classic um, Pentecostal movement in the Russian community is modesty, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the sermon, you could find a whole host of sermons in regards to, you know, wear skirts all the time, make sure you had your head coverings. Um, but if you talk about modesty, right, you say, hey, women uh, dress modestly, men dress modestly. No one, if, if your kids never had the discussion of what sex is and um, the roles that they're supposed to play as man and woman, modesty has very little usefulness to them. Like, tell your daughter, be modest. The, the question goes up, well, why? Right? Yeah. And that, that makes the rubber trail go down, well, because um, you have to glorify God through the way you dress, because ultimately, there is a unique characteristic about women. Women are um, able and capable of producing children, and men look at women in certain ways, and if um, you reveal a certain portion of your body or if you reveal a certain aspect of your character even the way you talk the way you communicate with guys um you will draw attention and arouse not using that word sexually but arouse in the sense of thoughts you will uh, conjure up um unwelcome advances or undesirable actions from men right or from teenagers or, or you know talking to a young daughter and so you have to have that framework of human sexuality in order to even address modesty because modesty has a purpose, right? It is to be modest in the context of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would say it is the necessity of parents to teach their kids about these things, not only about the anatomy of how babies are made, which you know is not a difficult topic, but also about the role that you're supposed to play as a man, the role you're supposed to play as a woman in regards to homekeeping, providing, protecting, um, that if you're a woman, you should respect your husband. If you're a man, you should love your wife and all that entails, right? And so how do you go about it? Well, one thing you have to have enough rapport with your, I think you'd have to have enough rapport with your kid in order that this topic won't be a strain on your relationship, right? Like, if you never talk to, like, I'm pretty sure you've experienced this, if you never talk to anybody about anything, and then um, you see a very big flaw in a Christian brother or sister, and you just come up to him and blatantly say, hey, like, hey, I've noticed you did something really horrible, and I need you to change it. That coming from a complete stranger is really awkward. Yeah. Um, you know, and and then also with your kids being open to be able to talk openly about, because obviously a kid can hide so much uh, internally, but 
if they had a good relationship with their parents, then they would, you could have that kind of relationship where it's like, you could come to me and talk to me about literally anything. Yeah. I, I mean, in order to have that conversation, you have to spend time with your kid. You have to check in with them how they're doing in school. Like those small things lead up to the understanding that my my dad or my mom is in charge of me, responsible for me, and is teaching me about life. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it is it, also in the way you live your life. A lot of times, um, a lot of kids in the Slavic community don't want to hear anything from their parents in regards to certain things because they see a hypocrisy in their parents, right? And that that's one of the fears I have. Like, I want to be able to be a good enough dad for my kid in order that when I tell him about you know how to treat women, how to treat his mom, how to treat um, if he has sisters, right? I treat his mom better than I expect him or as good or even better than, you know, I expect him to do. And so you have to have this rapport of lifestyle as well, where you're representing and living out the issues that you want your kids to kind of embrace and talk about. Um, in, the, in the way you treat your spouse and the, the way you have communication with your spouse, right? Like you, if, if you're talking about um, things like that, you edu- you're educating I mean, a majority of your education to your kid has to do with not the way you would talk to them, but how you live your life. And then you pay attention to, you know, other issues that kids face as well. And so it's it's also like I, I did, when I did the poll, I asked, hey, who's had this conversation with their parents? And people obviously a big majority said, no, we didn't have the conversation. But it's not really just a conversation, is it? What do you mean? Like, if, if you tell your kid, hey, this is how um, human, human anatomy works, um, this is the reproductive system, and that's it, you know, now you know. Mm-hmm. That information isn't very useful unless you have an ongoing conversation about, hey, um, when you want to start dating, if you're a woman, uh, or if you're a young, young woman, it's like, hey, I'm your father, and... I have authority over you to make sure that the guy you want to marry is going to be the right guy. And I am the filter through which he must pass. Right. I recall, I don't remember who it was, but there was a discussion in regards to, um, if, if your, let's say your daughter is about to get married and she finds a spouse whom you really don't like, like you, you see, um, flaws of ethics in him. You see flaws of you know, morality, the flaws, characteristics that shouldn't be there. And what happens is you want to make the decision to sit your daughter down and say, hey, I know you love this guy, but I don't think he's the right guy for you. In order to have that conversation with your daughter, you must have enormous amount of equity in the bank account that you have, you know, deposited over her life meaning if you're a husband if you're if you're a dad who has never been involved in your daughter's life and you see this guy she's about to get married to and you find him repulsive and a horrible human being and you tell her hey i don't think you should marry that guy yeah what's the likelihood that she's gonna say like thanks dad i trust your opinion i'm gonna i'm gonna go with with your what you say like very unlikely because she hasn't had that um you know that experience before yeah and she doesn't know what's going to happen but if if you were the most um attentive dad and you did discuss um and your wife discussed the um 
qualifications of what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a woman who's you know, a homemaker, who raises kids, who respects her, her husband. If, if you've been attentive and you care and you disciplined and you educated your daughter throughout the years, and this is the one thing you ever ask for her, that's going to rock her world. But there's a greater chance that you can avert disaster because you've built up the 20 years of equity with her of rapport and so you have the opportunity to, you know, discuss these things. Doesn't it go much further? Because you can just also teach uh, your daughter to what to look for in a guy. It's those godly qualifications. And when you have those, she has, like, she'll she'll have guidelines to have actually who to look for. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's you know, a lot of great resources online in regards to just, you know, hearing about these things as well. And so it's just not a it's not a conversation just about anatomy. Like, hey, you know, this is how babies are made. Go, we're done. We'll never have this conversation again. We're good to go. Like, it's a constant Christian ethic and worldview that you apply. And you know, I did not have that as as a, as a kid growing up. I had like, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you should never. Why would you ever tell your kid or or you know, why would you you never tell a guy that rape is wrong? It's just like intrinsically placed in that person that rape is wrong. Like, why Why would you ever discuss that? Well, it's like, what happens with people who do rape? Like, don't they think it's wrong? Where did that, where did that root start with, right? Where, where did that condition begin? And I would, you know, venture to pose the fact that probably began at their childhood in regards to the relationship mm-hmm. they had with their parents and how their parents taught him them you know, all, all rapists, rapists are male, so him, in regards to what it looks like to live out their life in, in a way that's sustainable and represents God's view. It's insane how closely tied family relationships are because a lot of people, a lot of people experience, that experience trauma as a child or the way they didn't feel love. A lot of times, they go to other things for love instead of instead of God. If they saw that godly, Christ-like relationship, you know, between mom and dad, then they would they could recognize that's what the relationship between me and Christ can be. And it's like, all right, I don't trust God in this way because my parents will never represent it in in the right way, like, like, completely, you know. Yeah. And again, I mean, no parent is perfect. Of course. And so I'm not going to even make the suggestion that if your parents discuss these things with you and you see flaws in them, that you have some kind of, um, you know, freedom to do X, Y, or Z against the morals. But nevertheless, there is this ethic that's placed in the Bible. And the Bible talks about things that are very uncomfortable. For example, periods, menstruation, right? There's the story where... um, Isaac runs away with Rachel and Leah, and then Le- what's his Le- starts with an L. Why can't I remember it? his name? His father-in-law, Leban. I want to say Leb. Layman. Layman. Sorry, I want to say Lebanon for some reason. Um, he pursues them, and then that's uh, his cousin. Yeah, and <laughs> the reason um, um, Rachel doesn't get up from her seat because she said, "Hey, I'm on a period, and I don't want to get up." That's in the Bible. Your kids might ask you questions about that. You have to be able to be equipped to answer them, right? Um, 
There is rape in the Bible. There's prostitution in the Bible. There is nakedness in the Bible. There's childbearing in the Bible. The human experience, with all of its raw, um, you know, openness and nakedness is in the Bible. And as parents, or as Christians, we, we should have the right view and lens in regards to what it looks like. Now, some people listening to this might be teenagers who have gotten their sources or their education of sources primarily probably from school or maybe from the internet or maybe from their friends. Um, Tom, do you have any suggestions for those for those people? Stop it. Just stop it. No, so here here's the thing. Um, it gets it gets really difficult because you you've gotten when you went you, you went to public school, right? Uh yeah. And I went to public school. Did you ever get those uh, notes from health class that say, "Hey, would you like your child to, child to participate in a sexual education course or class?" Yeah, and my like fifth grade, right? And my parents, oh, like I was like one of the few students that wasn't able to go. Mm. So I've got. I think I don't remember what grade it was, but it was multiple grades. I'm pretty sure it was in middle school. I never went to a single one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I think in eighth grade, there was just a general health class where they just discussed all these things. But I've heard about sex from all the kids around me by that time. And it was kind of, you know, and so, um, yeah, the, the Russian parents almost, oh, not like ubiquitously, right. Say, I don't want my kid to participate in this. Well, let's say like, like if you'd come up and asked him about something like that, wouldn't they just say like, you know, just wait till marriage, you'll find out? <laughs> Which imagine the <laughs> implications of that, right? Why? Like what? What are the implications? Well, do you do you um, let's say, would you marriage right and sexual um, relationships? Would you put that as one of the highest echelons of hum- the human experience? Like it's one of the most important things in human experience, right? Because that's where kids come from. That's where families are put together. In fact, intimacy is the sign of Christ and His church. Like, it's a big deal. Oh yeah. Right. So would you would you have a airline pilot, um, never instructed in flying an airplane, just told on your first day at work you'll find out when you when you fly a plane, mm-hmm. right? That that'd be disastrous. And so, um, it's disastrous to tell your kids that, right? The majority of people find out how their anatomy works and. The mechanics of it are not the big deal. The big deal is, and by mechanics, I mean the biology, anatomy, and how kids are made, right? That's not the big deal. The big deal is the ethical parameters and the reasons for them that are there and that are biblical and scriptural, mm-hmm. right? And, the man, for example, the mandate to have kids. Um, there is almost no discussion in regards to contraceptives in the Russian community and Slavic community. Like, is it is it immoral to have one kid or must you have 10 kids right like is 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 the is god's judge or judgment or god's standard that you must have as much kids as you can and what does it mean to have as much kids as you can right for example if you you know some people have 10 kids some people have three it's like is that is that mean that as much as you can bear in regards to being born or is it as much as you can raise in the fear of the lord right and people say well Isaac had 12 kids. It's like, he also had four wives. Yeah. And so there's a challenge that it's not discussed. Or like servants as well. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because, yeah, 
you don't they don't discuss contraceptives and so they end up having a lot of kids because they think it's a sin if you if you do use those things or if you prevent if you prevent you know pregnancy yeah and i'm not in, in any way yeah like, and i'm not saying i'm not gonna say i don't i don't i'm not gonna discuss the morals of that i will say i think the bible clearly states that kids are a blessing and you should have a lot of them like that's my personal belief now if you know um you are prevented through health issues if you're prevented through infertility like that's not a scorn against you there are you know challenges that everyone faces but the biblical parameters is like kids are a blessing and you should have them and if you're choosing to have two dogs for the last four or five years and you're married new married couple and you treat your dogs as kids you might have some soul searching to do it might even have to repent of some things because like you know you you as a family unit are created to have kids if you're capable if you're not you know there's there's things that god uses all sorts of people for all certain things sorts of things um so I, i think those are the kind of conversations that don't pop up and so let's say let's say there is so have you want to talk about like having too many kids I don't. Many. I don't think you can have too many kids. I, I. I don't think so. I don't think you can have too many kids. I think there are challenges with having a lot of kids, but God clearly states that you can't have too many kids. The kids. Kids are a blessing from God, and they are um, the greatest joy people could have. And so I will never say that you can have too many kids. I will say that you can have challenges with raising kids properly if you have a lot of them i mean there's a guy who had like 46 kids in india by by one woman no there you go and so you know in the monogamous relationship that god has placed as the foundation for family if you have one wife and you have one husband the amount of kids you can produce is limited by your biology and god has placed in that way where he knows you know that's how much kids you have yeah but i'm wondering like is it possible to have like a close relationship with all your kids if you have like 12 kids yeah then it's just about like priorities yeah i mean what i would say is if you want to like here's the thing like you can have two kids and have both parents work and this again this this conversation we're having should be had with kids this involves the discussion of not only sexuality and anatomy this conversation right now is supposed to be had with parents with their kids like you can have two kids and both parents can work and they can be dropped off at preschool they can be dropped at school or extracurricular activities and they only spend um, you know an hour with both mom and dad at night and then maybe on the weekends and then maybe you know parents have their own activities and plans and so those two kids grow up with seeing their being raised by strangers or you could have 12 kids where the mom stays at home the dad works and they're you know dirt poor but those kids get to see their mom every day and their dad spanks their butt every night because you know kids are going to be kids and he loves them and he cares for them and he teaches them how to work hard and um reads the bible to them and teaches them how to pray and um those two parents spent more time with those 12 kids and the two mm. parents who had only two. True. Right. And so it's, it's God's principles and standards that apply, I think, rather than the amount of kids you have. Use wisdom, right? Like calculate your ability to produce kids, like it anatomically, emotionally, um, medically, and then, you know, go off that and be faithful in God. I think what God has given you, but let's say you right now, the modern 
state of Slavic churches in the United States. Um, what do you think some things can be improved and how can how can this conversation change? Like what can be done in order for people to um, improve Russian and Slavic and Ukrainian um, Belarusian communities? I think the the relationship between the 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 kid and the mom and dad need to have a like a a Christ centered relationship when there's discipline and when not only discipline but with everything because if they can't see like the love and forgiveness uh when they do something bad like then the kid won't want to he'll be completely scared like there's a good way to have godly fear right but there's also needs to be a love that's like from like the same way you you would see god like I could come to God with anything. Like when I talked to a uh, family at church today, I was asking about these questions and they they have a, uh, you know, they have a the child and the child's already grown up, but they talked to me about like how they raised him and stuff. And they just said that they had an open relationship. Like they could literally talk about anything with their child. And that came through like, you know, for example, the father and the son, uh, they would go on a boat like every, you know, maybe every other week or every week they'd go fishing and they would have discussion on the discussions on the boat. And the father would say, you can tell me anything on this boat, anything you say stays on this boat. Like no matter how, how bad it is or what, like, you know, I won't even tell your mother. And of course, unless she has to be involved or something, but it's, it's about like, spending time with your kids and then having the love of Christ be able to be shown like you come to me with anything because a lot of uh, kids are unfortunately scared of saying stuff because they look at the discipline and they're like it's not worth it okay yeah that makes a lot of sense because one um, your kids should be able to learn from you and recognize that you're a human being. And so if you treat your kids with a higher standard than you put upon yourself, well, that kid's going to fail every time, right? Um, and so you need to recognize that you're, you have a standard and you give yourself recognition that you need grace so your kids should have grace. And two, um, I guess what you mentioned is discipline should be equal to the necessity for the correction of the behavior right like you don't over discipline your kid when they did something minor mm. and you don't um not discipline your kid when there isn't a corrective behavior that needs to be applied and that that family you talked to at church seems to have that um ratio and that balance down really well yeah i would say there is a need for um some discussions from the pulpit in the russian communities um, you know, an address to parents. Um, I, 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 if I was going to preach a sermon, I, I, I I'd label it that. What and, does that mean? In uh, an uncomfortable conversation with parents. Hmm. And the reason I would say that is because um, parents have never been told from the pulpit that it's your specific responsibility to guide your kids in these specific ways. A, talk to your kids about the anatomy and physiology that they're growing up with. Right before they hit puberty, meaning you don't talk to your kid about these things when it's too late. Right, mm-hmm. 
But that's just one small conversation and a host of other discussions about, hey, like teach your girls to cook, teach your guys to fix cars. Oh, those are sexist ideas that are, you know, um, completely out of the bounds of modern. That's cool. I mean, that's cool. That's you get, that. You could teach your daughter to change your oil yeah, or change a tire too. The biblical standard is raise your men to act like men and raise your women to act like women, right? Discuss with your kids at home what are kids for? Should how many kids should you have? Right? That should be spoken from the pulpit and said, "Hey, we have a huge issue where 96% of kids don't hear this from their parents." And then people wonder why there is this issue in regards to, um, you know, pornography, or this issue with um, sex before marriage, or this issue where we are always constantly complaining about how the secular world is indoctrinating our kids about being non-binary or being homosexual. Right? I, I recently had I had a discussion with my cousins, and I have a cousin who is like, like barely entering elementary school. And he already knows, he's already heard the concept or the words non-binary, right? That's, that's, that's crazy. Unfathomable. And it's like, you know, conservatives and Christians always complain about the fact that our kids are being indoctrinated in the secular worldview. Well, if you choose to have your kids in public school, that's going to happen. And two, why aren't you indoctrinating your kids into a Christian worldview? Right. Yeah. Let's let's stop complaining about those things and let's start acting out in them in those ways. Right. Yeah. Because the secular side, of, like they will, they will indoctrinate your kids no matter what. Yeah. And so from the pulpit, I think those things need to be spoken to parents, and the parents should recognize that. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but the reason it's uncomfortable is because you've never done it. Just like if you have never ice skated before, put some ice skates and go out on, on the rink, you will fall on your butt. Just guaranteed, right? Unless you have one of those crutches and you you walk around. And so the reason it's uncomfortable or like dancing, like I'm never gonna dance. I don't dance. Yeah, then you but, can never fail. But it, you know, I I that's super uncomfortable. And the reason it's uncomfortable and it sounds mechanical and you have to follow these yeah. one two three steps. It's not you know organic because you've never done it before. I could teach you the worm. I'm, I'm good, Tom. <laughs> and so it feels uncomfortable and awkward and strange because. You're not good at it. But just because you're not good at something doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. God calls us to do things that we're not good at all the time. Right? And so I think there needs to be some some pastors should and if if you're you know, if you're a teenager who's past due in regards to you already know about these things and your parents never spoke to you about these things, or a young person in the church who had never spoken you're married, you're happy happy now, like, you know, I'm not saying she'd go and like start a revolution, but Go talk to your elders and say, hey, there there are kids growing up. There are my siblings might be super young. They haven't gone through puberty yet. They don't know about these things. Like, how what kind of resources can you guys as elders and pastors provide for parents in order to have these kind of discussions and conversations? Because as far as we can tell, ninety-six percent or at least ninety percent or at least eighty percent of people have no clue how to do this or what to do with it. And I'm not going to tell people to do it because I haven't done it yet. So I'll, you know, I'll check back in 10 years, nine years from now. What would be the pushback though? Like, what would you say to, you know, a Slavic elder that says this is not something we should really discuss on the pulpit? Okay. And I will say, well, again, 
I don't think you should discuss that particular thing from the pulpit. I think you should tell parents to discuss those things yeah. with children. Well, they would say maybe don't like. Why should the we why should tell parents uh, to discuss these with their yeah? Like maybe they would say maybe it's wrong to talk to your kids about this. Then you have a higher standard or ethic than God Himself, because God talks about these things in the Bible. God says, "Go forth and multiply and fill the earth." How do you do that, Mom and Dad? How do I how do I fulfill the commandment of God that is written in Scripture, right? Yeah. And then you read Proverbs, and it talks about to stay away from the the woman that's you know the prostitute. Yeah. Mom and Dad, what is a prostitute, right? If you're if you're being faithful to the Word of God, and you're actually reading the entire Bible with your kids, not just John three sixteen, and that's it. But if you're reading through the Old Testament. And it says, um, "Those who pra- those who practice bestiality shall be stoned. The person who um, sleeps lays with the man as it is with the woman should should be stoned." Mom and dad, what does it mean to lay with a man as it is with a woman? And why do people why did people get stoned for that in Israel? Right, that's a hard question to answer. They, they might say, "Oh, that's nothing. You know, it's just like to stay away from, you know, laying." But then it would be like, oh, what does that have, mean, right? It's like, but I, but I have a sleepover with my brother. Like, yeah, I have sleepovers with my guy friends all the time. We lay in the same bed, and it's not a big deal. Why is that a big deal, mom and dad? Right? If you're if you're actually reading your Bible so with what your age? kids, what age? I'm not going to tell you that. What age? Um, age appropriate, right? You don't talk. You don't talk to kids about their taxes when they're two or when they're five. Hmm. But when they're 14 or 15 and 16, they start earning money. They start earning money. You got to talk about taxes. When your kids Otherwise, start, what happens? You go to jail. jail. <laughs> All right. And so you don't you don't tell your kids how to drive a car or discuss mm. possibly getting a car when they're 10. Um, and so age when, appropriate, right? Yeah, when they start developing their bodies and start noticing changes, they're going to have feelings and desires. And we need to show them like, what do we do with these desires? Well, Are one, they holy? Yeah, they one, good? God gave you those desires. Yeah. How do you generate reverence for God through those things? And so, yeah, this conversation, but I'm saying if you're, you know, if you come up to your pastor and says, well, I don't think, I, I'm not going to tell my my congregational parents to talk to these with the kids. I feel awkward about that. It's like the word of God literally discusses all these things, right? What is rape? Um, the Bible talks about it, right? And so these all these conversations are, Mm. Very detailed and very explicit in, right? What's wrong with, okay, what's wrong with sex, homosexuality? What's wrong with incest? What's wrong with rape? What's wrong with bestiality? What's wrong with pedophilia? All those things are in the Bible. And if you want your kid, and especially if your kid goes to public school, you better start equipping your kid, right? I, Dude, when we went to public school, we were bombarded maybe a little bit about that stuff, right? But, I mean, I hear... So many issues with my, from my siblings, like my sisters, all my sisters, well, I have two sisters left in high school, and they're constantly talking about the fact that this is just like the air they breathe. That's everything they talk about, you know, people talk about is, is in regards to all these um, sexual mores and LGBTQ AA plus discussions that everyone's having around. And so... Why don't they talk about like history or something normal? You know, well, I'm, I'm saying like that's that that's always... In, in conversations that they hear all the time. I'm not saying that's the only conversation. Yeah. But... Um, with friends or with 
the teachers just peers and um, are the teachers i don't i don't know I don't some teachers do some teachers don't i don't know if teachers are allowed to talk about that are they well allowed or not allowed is not what exactly some people follow <laughs> anyways but my whole point is that parents um like as a modern like modern day parents those things are blatantly indoctrinated to kids and um if you you know if you're if you're a young person that feels cheated like you're you're about to get married and you feel like well my parents never discussed with this or you're already married and you're looking back like yeah like some of those things would have really helped in regards to how to date how to be a man like would have what what are some qualities or if you're a woman and you're like what are some qualities i should have looked for you know like or i'm looking for in a guy you know um what are the what are the things that are required in regards to what it makes a good spouse like all those things are parental discussions that people should start having with their kids and i hope that changes because i hope i hope we go from 96 percent of people who never had that conversation to 96 percent people who did and that would create strong families that create strong ethics that create joy um in a lot of churches yeah and i hope that that leads to a lot, a lot more other relationship conversations where you can be op- the kids are able to be open with the parents with with what other problems they have because it's a lot more than that it's it's every other problem they have in high school it's every other problem they have in elementary school it's relationship it's grades it's just being open yeah and again don't hold anything against your parents forgive your parents move on right (laughs) yeah they has to do a lot with like how they grew up and like what culture they grew up which yeah. is not a justification for sin. Yeah. But it, it gives you an explanation of we're a world-changing place and instead of d- looking back and dotting on the past, look Even, to the future and try to be a biblical person and discuss biblical things with your kids, which include not only, yeah. you know... And just because they didn't do it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it now. Like, take the good and the bad and take it to the Lord in prayer and... Ask him to help you do that now with your kids. Yeah. Also, um, final conclusion, the internet exists. And just as the internet holds a lot of evil things, the internet holds a lot of amazing things like Christian preachers and teachers hmm. who have discussed these things fairly in detail. Uh, there is an article on DesiringGod.com that is labeled, How Do I Talk to My Children About Sex? which is very well written. DesiringGod.org is John Piper's ministry. Um, Vody Bauckham yeah. has a lot of um, great sermons in regards to yeah. children and marriage. I could link that in the podcast description and the YouTube gen- uh, video as well. So there are a lot of resources. You're, we're not we're not going in blind here, in other words. And the majority of information that I've learned about, like you know, discussing these things and um, what's the proper way of looking at these things, came from discussions with, you know, yeah. peers and the internet where yeah. we we have the opportunity to hear godly men speak on things from other sides of the world. Yeah. And the cool thing is that, well, the Bible gives so much uh, wisdom in Proverbs, right? Uh, but it's very broad, right? Isn't it? It's like very broad, but it, it, it's good because the Holy Spirit helps you use these uh, broad wisdom things to apply it to your life Mm -hmm. not every single book or article is going to be able to tell exactly how you're supposed to step by step talk to your kids about it it's going to be different with every kid yeah so yeah i think that's a very well put 
and every kid every kid's known by their parents better than any other person right so challenges go talk to your pastors about making sure that they talk to their parents about making sure that their parents talk to their kids